um, such a pleasure to be here. Um, it is a great honor to, to once again um, be in your midst and to, and to come and share God's word this morning with you. Give your hands, uh, give yourself a hand of applause. You all here, you know, what a, what a wonderful attendance. Give your hands, uh, give yourself a hand of applause. Amen, amen. I um, just want to let you know that um, you might have noticed at the front we're a bit lean. <laughs> Gareth and uh, and Nadine and others have gone to Hope's wedding. Their eldest daughter, um, she was getting married yesterday, um, and I believe it was you know a, a beautiful occasion. Saw a few pictures and yeah, just think of them um, as they share in the joy as a family um, there. But I also want to mention. What an amazing time of worship we had on Friday. For those who were there, whoop, whoop. Amen. Um, we were with the youth and the young adults um, on Friday as our, <laughs> and the grannies. <laughs> they were all there supporting. Um, it was an amazing time of worship. Um, the collaboration between we were worship and RSU. As we ascended to the ground, the turnout was astounding, actually, to be quite frank with you. As we ascended to the grounds there, there was just, I don't know, the, the, the grounds were just packed, and people just worshipped their hearts out. And just would like to encourage you, there will be others. Um, I believe there will be another one next month. I'm not going to share too many details, but once the details go out, be there. Don't miss out. <laughs> Amen. So church, um, we are back to our Savior series, believe it or not, amen. And, um, but I must say that we have been blessed um, with a, just a short series out of our main series, which was None Like Him, and I think it was an amazing four weeks where we just focused on who God is and how great God is, hey? Um, and I think it was really pivotal in us just tuning ourselves back and focusing back on how great God is, right? And how, 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 um, how uh, unscalable He is as well. So I need a mic check here. There we go. Technicalities out of the way. Um, so it was an amazing time to just focus on who God is, how great He is, um, how unscalable He is. And now we are back into our Savior series. Um, if we may remember, if you don't remember, we've got Spotify, we've got the messages on there. Um, it was Nontando who um, just took us through um, uh, Luke chapter 18, verses 1 to 17. And she really was speaking about being persistent and being humble. Of course, because I'm a nice guy, I'm going to take you through a few notes that she mentioned, and then I'll leave the rest to you. Um, to go and listen to the message on Spotify. So Nuntando was speaking about uh, two parables that she um, was preaching about. There we learned about the parable of the persistent widow, right? Uh, we also learned how Jesus conveyed she was on her pursuit for justice, right? We also learned how Jesus convicts and encourages us to always pray and not to lose heart in being faithful to prayer and therefore in faith in Jesus Christ. We were also reminded that if uh, the persistent widow was granted justice um, against her adversary by an unrighteous judge, 
How much more will our heavenly Father, our heavenly Father, and the righteous judge, all his righteous, do for his children who cry to him day and night? Nondando also mentioned First um, Thessalonians 5 verse 17, which reads, just a small snippet of that entire scripture, it says, thus never cease to pray. We must never cease to pray. She also related the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, where we are not to rely on our own power, our righteousness, our good deeds, but to rely on the mercy and the compassion of God. We are to relinquish exalting ourselves as we will be humbled, however. The one who humbles himself before God will be exalted. Amen. And lastly, she also mentioned how we are to consider others more significant than ourselves, being humble before the throne of glory, considering others more than ourselves. It also teaches us how to be humble before God. Amen. All right, so today we're going to look at um, um, the story of our main man. He wasn't very gifted in height. Uh, his name was Zacchaeus in the Bible. Um, and that's in Luke ch- uh, chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. Very short, but we will um, unpack it um, as we go along. So it reads from verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zac- Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector in the region, and he, became, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short, just like myself, to see over the crowd, so he ran ahead. So as I carry on, I got the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. So as I carry on, I I want you to also start formalizing your own questions. Why was Zacchaeus so persistent in wanting to to see Jesus? Remember, he was an unbeliever. But what, what was it that, that was in him that wanted to see Jesus this day? When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Judgment. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I've cheated people on their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. This is what people didn't know in hindsight. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. Let us just pray briefly. Father God, we thank you. Lord, you are worthy of all praise and honor. Um, Lord, we just pray that this morning as you begin to unpack um, the passages of scripture with us, that we may look internally and outwardly, Almighty God, Heavenly Father, so that we may perceive your will not only for us, but for the mission that you have sent us for on this earth, Almighty God, to glorify your kingdom and to bring glory to your name. 
We thank you and we ask these things in your mighty and righteous name, Lord. Amen. So, brothers and sisters, I've got three, three concepts that I'd like us to, to focus on today. And these are the perspective of the crowd. This is what we're going to be viewing. We're going to view the perspective of the crowd. Then we're going to look at the perspective of Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus himself. And then lastly, we'll look at the perspective of Jesus. Amen. Um, but before we go into that, I just want to share a little, uh, there's a picture that I put up there of a kid's um, Bible story. Don't laugh. <laughs> um, but what I, what I love about this, uh, Lissidi doesn't know that I put up his storybook up there, so please guys, just keep it under wraps here. Um, so, so the title of, of this book that we read for him, uh, he's somewhat outgrown it, but he still enjoys uh, the stories in it. It's called uh, Bible Rhymes for Quiet Times. So when he goes down for bed, we read this for him. And I just wanted to say, I've prepared a sermon, a whole sermon here, which will take us, you know, a couple of minutes. But if I read this to you, this would be the entire sermon wrapped up in, in, a, in a Bible rhyme. And it reads, um, and it's got the scripture, funnily enough, um, Luke 19 verse 10, um, and it starts off with saying, Jesus said, the son of man came to look for and to save people who are lost. Zacchaeus was a money man, or related as, a, as I said to Sadie as well. Hated by everyone in the land, sitting in a tree in the middle of town, Jesus demanded that he climb down. Jesus would dine with him that day. No, he's a sinner, everyone would say. But Jesus wasn't there to save the Christian children who, be, who behaved he went to find those who were lost, to bring them home, no matter the cost. Amen. And I also love that it's got the, the sycamore tree there. There's our ma main man, there's Zacchaeus, who made it into the Bible headlines for all of time, just because of his act of faith. How amazing is that? Amen. So if, if this was a, a sermon for the kids, I would be done, and we'd all be going home. But uh, yeah, God, God wants a different um, um, <laughs> revelation of Scripture today. But thank you for that. So I'm going to give us the, the Bible context of um, that day that uh, Zacchaeus made his salvation. We, we know um, or we get to learn that um, it was in the era of the Roman Empire, right? And... Um, Zacchaeus being a taxman, um, he was also a Jew, but converted into, or rather, he then served as a, as a taxman or a tax collector. Um, but however, you know, people were very unhappy about the, the, the heavy taxes that they were being charged, right? Um, but it was also a way for the Roman Empire to expand on its, um, on its, world, um, on its world empire by leveraging off heavy taxes of the people or the citizens that they had obviously overtaken at that time. So obviously the Jews opposed these taxes because they supported a, a, they supported a circular government and its pagan gods. So they weren't serving the same god, right? And they, but unfortunately they had to pay taxes towards the Roman Empire and their false gods. So it was a bit of a double whammy. And so they were forced to pay these taxes and they were then notorious tax collectors who were amongst the most unpopular people in Israel. 
And notably, there were Jews who then served the Roman Empire, right? So it was a bit of a double whammy for the Jews. So Jews by birth, um, they chose to work for Rome, the tax collectors, and were then considered as traitors. So they didn't have a good projection or a good outset um, to their own people. It was common knowledge that tax collectors also made themselves rich by gorging their fellow Jews. So they really went far and beyond what was needed to be collected. And in most cases, they enriched themselves. Okay. So we said we would look at the first perspective, which is the perspective of the crowd. So imagine you are the crowd. Um, here's Jesus coming into Jericho, and he then takes notice of this text collector, acknowledges him, even by name. Of course, we know Jesus being God, he knows everyone even before, you know, <laughs> we can even perceive it, right? So you can already imagine that this, this, um, this crowd is um, already being destabilized by this. But let us look at the previous chapter, we are at 19, look at, uh, let's look at Luke 18, verse 11, which describe a perspective of a Pharisee who was in the crowd. It reads, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers, and certainly not like the tax collector. So we already see the picture that tax collectors are being painted in, right? They are painted as traitors. They are uh, painted as people who are not fit, you know, to even uh, call themselves Jews because they firstly turn away, turned away from um, their cultural norm or their religious norm. And secondly, they've now gone and served um, the Roman Empire who, are, who, who serve pagan gods, so really they were, you know, the, one of the lowest people in society at that time. So this is the crowd, of, this is the perspective of the crowd. So Zacchaeus as a text collector was thought of as a sinful and greedy man by the Pharisees. So they were painted with the same brush. And so does this Pharisee in the scripture here in Luke 18 verse 11. And historically collecting taxes was a career. It was a career. Um, much like our... Um, our revenue services here, SARS. <clears throat> we know how we feel about them, eh? <laughs> that had a negative reputation as tax collectors. They collected more money that was due, right? But Jewish people were not happy because they paid taxes for a nation that wasn't their own. Now imagine going into a nation and you are paying for something that you don't believe in, Right? Um, how that must make you feel. But because you've got to obligate, you've got to abide by the law, you've got to do it. But at the same time, these people's lives, and I want you to understand, and let us not judge these people at the moment, but let us understand their perspective, that their perspective is we are striving to live here. Our own brother, you know, who's now a tax collector, is also in, you know, coinciding with the, the Roman Empire, and we are losing the will to live because we are having to give so much of what we make. So you, you, could, you could see how disgruntled they may have been at this. But now we've got Jesus who always comes and turns things on, on their heads. 
Um, Jesus also compared um, tax collectors as well. So he, this is now also Jesus' perspective on, on, on the tax collectors of the day. If we look at Matthew 18, verse uh, 17, Jesus just um, mentions this um, uh, in, 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 in this verse here, Matthew 18, verse 17. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. This was Jesus' teaching about how to treat a believer who sins, right? So already there are other, there's more perspectives here. Um, tax collector, traitor, they are a sinner as well, and they are basically cast out in society. So things are not lining up well for Zacchaeus here. So the crowd's perspective was that Zacchaeus was a societal norm about tax collectors. So they used their position of power for the benefit of themselves and rendered people powerless. People couldn't progress because they had to pay such heavy taxes. There was no progression, but it was this constant paying of taxes. So there was this constant giving away of money that they were making, and they were not getting ahead. The Jewish people had a strong stance against those that collected taxes. Um, so just as the crowd saw Zacchaeus' sin, however, we tend to see others' mistakes and sins, especially if they are more obvious than our own. How often do we do that? We are quick to judge others, but forget to look at our inner selves. If we too are sinful, now holding up a mirror to ourselves, who are we to judge those who sin? So let's look at the perspective of Zacchaeus, the man on top of the tree, like we demonstrated in that book of Lysides there. Let's look at what he was thinking in his mind um, and, you know, his obvious excitement at seeing Jesus. If we look at verses 3 and 4, and I'll read it briefly, he, um, he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. Verse 4 says, So he ran ahead and, cl- and climbed the sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. Now, a sycamore tree, for those of you who don't know, it's a very broad tree with uh, very many branches as well, very strong tree as well. So, but it wasn't, um, it's not a, a very, you know, from its stump to, you know, where the branches started, start to branch off, it's not a very high tree. So, you can imagine he was able to climb it, you know, relatively with ease, but then climb the branches up high in order to then see Jesus Christ. Um, And so Zacchaeus knew about Jesus this whole time and was excited to finally see him. Now let us take a moment here. Imagine we are not, we don't judge people, right? But you know that there's an unbeliever um, that you know of, right? And before we judge them, having not known that they have the knowledge of, uh, of who God is, how amazing would it be that when they do come to the knowledge of who God is through your life, that it would activate that idea that they already have about Jesus and it would propel them to salvation. 
So this day, even his unsubstantial height wasn't going to hinder him from seeing Jesus. Zacchaeus characteristically was a go-getter. He had to be because, I mean, he had to go and go, go uh, collect taxes. Um, and, I mean, obviously he also collected taxes that were more than what uh, were due, right? So he was a bit of a, go, a go-getter. He knew how to get money out of people. And that's how he also enriched himself. So this may have also implied the, the characteristic for someone who asked and sometimes took money from others. So it wasn't collecting money, but he also took money from others, right? Which was obviously the sin that people would see in people like Zacchaeus. Um, verse 5 reads, When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called, and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, Quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Verse 6 says, Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. So here we can see that Zacchaeus was possibly trying to find the meaning and the truth about life through Jesus Christ, though the crowd didn't know that. And this is expressed in his excitement at Jesus and his request to be housed by him. So here's a person who's come into town, unlike the crowd that was before Zacchaeus, Jesus Christ even calls him by name, you know, from the midst of the crowd. And he says, I want to be in your house today. And this is someone who, and Jesus Christ obviously knew his name before he was conceived, but he then stood out from the crowd um, and called him by name and he said, I want to be in your house Now, this is someone who was despised. This is someone that no one wanted to be affiliated with or be seen in the company of. But Jesus Christ, the whole God, wanted to be in his company, wanted to be in his house. So, Zacchaeus opened his doors right away to Jesus. I'm sure he he must have not known what was compelling him to just open his house to him. But because Jesus wanted to know him, His excitement led him to doing that. His attitude tells us that he was ready to be saved and to serve. We do not know what will trigger, what God will invoke in someone who is ready for salvation. All we need to do is just trust in him. Trust in him, pray for them, and do what he says we must do. Amen. So, Zacchaeus, was, Zacchaeus opened these doors to Christ and was willing to listen to his advice. How often do we give opportunity to those who differ from us by worldly standards? Whether they be high-esteemed individuals or cast-out people in society, how often do we give the opportunity to those people to know Christ through our untainted expression towards them of who Christ is to them. We need not paint a picture about whom we see or whom we deem in front of us. All we need to do is obey the will of God. Don't look at a person and then start judging them, but look at them through the lenses of, of, of Christ and perceive them as a Christ follower and perceive them as someone who um, is uh, by birthright should be entering the gates of, of heaven one day when our Lord and Savior comes back. Amen. 
So we can reflect a lot from Zacchaeus' perspective. In a world full of noise in every area of our lives to fill the gap that we are experiencing. So Zacchaeus obviously had this gap in him. He was a tax collector. He had enriched himself. But there was this gap in his life. He needed the meaning to life. So what we do as well in our own gaps in our lives, we try and climb the trees and extend our eyes, right, to reach um, for a quieter yet better tomorrow. How often do we look to tomorrow? If we've been having a bad day today, how often do we go, I hope tomorrow is a better day for us, eh? or a better day for me? Whether it be from a work perspective, whether it be from a family situation, whether it be for prospects for the future, maybe tomorrow I'll get that call. Maybe tomorrow I'll hear good news. Maybe tomorrow the day will just be favorable to me and I'll feel good, right? But our eyes need to all just be focused on Christ. Amen. Because Jesus is our better present, present and future. There's no other than Jesus. He's our tomorrow. He's our future. He's our everything. There's no need for us to climb a tree to be seen by Jesus. He sees us. He knows us. He made us. He created us. Jesus already saw and knew Zacchaeus even before he climbed the tree. And he knows us by name, as described in Isaiah 43, verse, uh, verse 1. So what really caught the attention of Jesus was, so now um, we'll briefly look at um, also a bit of the perspective of Jesus as well, Right? but we're still looking at the perspective of Zacchaeus. What really caught the attention of Jesus was Zacchaeus' passion to be seen. So Zacchaeus wanted to be seen by Jesus Christ. So it is important that we try to show ourselves to Jesus, right? If we know that he already sees us. If we know that Jesus knows us, we have chosen um, salvation um, for our lives. It is important that Jesus sees us all the time, right? We need to speak, this speaks of the intentionality of Christ to have relationship with us. So Jesus Christ wants to have a relationship with us, but our intentionality should always be to communicate with him, should always be to walk with him, should always be to speak to him. Amen. 1 Corinthians 8 verse 3 reads, But the person who loves God is the one whom God recognizes. Amen. So it is not enough to know him, but for us is to constantly be in fellowship with him. Amen. It is important to acknowledge him at all times in everything that we are doing. More importantly, it is important that we show repentance for the sins that we commit. Like the people who lacked faith for Zacchaeus' salvation, imagine the crowd Instead of being prayerful for Zacchaeus, they judged him. They mocked him. He was a traitor. He deserted our religion. How could Jesus go into his house? But yet Jesus was like, he needs to be known by me. I need to enter his house. I need to enter his inner house, which is his heart, which is his soul, because he needs to know me. Amen. So in verse 13, um, in Luke 3, verses 12 to 13, we see 
um, the story of the corrupt tax collector. It reads from verse 12, even corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized and asked, teacher, what should we do? What I love about this is that Jesus Christ already had an answer for tax collectors who then uh, assume salvation, right? How they could change their lives around. Jesus Christ didn't say, change your career. No, he didn't say that. But in verse 13, he says, he replied, collect no more taxes than the government requires. What a simple answer. So you can imagine that in as much as Zacchaeus' career was being a tax collector, he could still do it righteously, right? Collect the taxes as instructed, but do it righteously. Collect no more than what was deemed, what was instructed for him to, to, to collect. And if we go back to Luke 19, uh, verse 8, it reads, it, it describes how immediately outward, the outward response of the inner house in Zacchaeus, Right? the conviction of sin, and even wants to make amends. So Zacchaeus, um, in verse 8, says, or, or it reads, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, this was when he was in his house with Jesus, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. This was Zacchaeus' heart's conviction. After receiving the advice from Jesus Christ, that he needs to change his life, right? I mean, I'd love to hear what the conversation was in that room or in that house, but surely it was enough for him to, con to change his life around and then start um, distributing the wealth that he had falsely accumulated from ripping people off, to be quite frank, right? Um, he was gorging more than what he was supposed to be collecting. So by Zacchaeus giving back to the poor and making restitution with generous interest to those he had cheated. Zacchaeus demonstrated inner change by the outward action. So we receive salvation, right? And we praise this God and we say we believe in God, we worship Him. But how often do we, do we allow for our heart's conviction to play outwardly? What are the things that we are doing to show that we have this faith in us? like Zacchaeus uh, does in the scripture. Zacchaeus had an immediate change to his salvation. He enacted on his salvation. He said, I will distribute the wealth that I've collected, Lord. So following Jesus in our head and heart is not enough. We must show our faith by changed behavior. Amen. Lastly, let us look at the perspective of Jesus. So Jesus decided to go into Zacchaeus' house even though he was a sinner. Our whole God, who are we to do less? Though Zacchaeus was a sinner, Jesus was unfazed by the perceptions of the crowd outside. He said, I, I don't care about that. There's something I need to do in Zacchaeus today. So he continued to stay at his house and shared his advice and, and spoke to Zacchaeus. So Jesus obligates Zacchaeus in verses 5 to 6 to come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. How this is an example of how Jesus obligates us to focus on him, 
during the times we need him the most. During the times we need him the most is when we should focus on him. During the troubles in our lives, that's when we should focus on him. Where we feel unhinged in life, that is when we focus on him. When we feel we are out of control, that is when we focus on Christ and not on ourselves. Amen. So Jesus' words to Zacchaeus, I must stay at your house, were more of a command that he needed to be invited and to stay with Zacchaeus. So it was a command from Christ that I need to stay in your house. But how so? So you see, Jesus already knew that Zacchaeus needed to invite him to stay. So Jesus knew as he was walking in Jericho that I needed to stay in, in Zacchaeus' house today. Not just in his home, right? Didn't want to just be in his home. That was really irrelevant. But really in his heart. Jesus needed to do a work in Zacchaeus' heart that day. And so Jesus came to save, our, save us from our sins so we can stay with him forever. And that is the crux of the matter, is that we need to allow Christ in our hearts, that we need to stay with him forever, that we need to acknowledge him in all that we do, and we need not deviate from that. We need to remain in Christ and with Christ forever. So Jesus also responds to Zacchaeus' faith by saying, Salvation has come to this home today. Salvation to Zacchaeus' house, salvation to Zacchaeus' heart. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Zacchaeus has, great, has, has gained a, a lineage. He's now part and parcel of the genealogy of the sons of Abraham. How amazing is that? He has gained a whole lineage. He has gained a legacy for his house and for his salvation. He's now deemed a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek. Jesus came to seek and save those who are lost. Zacchaeus was lost. He is now found in Christ Jesus. How many do we know who need the salvation that Jesus Christ speaks about here today? It speaks of the work that we still need to do, brothers and sisters. It speaks of the work that Christ needs to do continuously in our hearts. The salvation that we have here is not only for us, but it is for us to go and save the lost out there. In the nations of the world, in our communities, in our workplaces, salvation is not for us, but it is for us to share so that others know of this great God that we serve. Amen. So Jesus' referral of Zacchaeus being a son of Abraham would not have sat well with the crowd, obviously, right? I mean, they would, they would not have wanted to believe that, that, that a son of Abraham could be lost, just as they deemed Zacchaeus to be lost. However, they didn't pray for him. They weren't hopeful for his salvation. They had really just cast him out, right? But Jesus had to come. In the, God had to come in the incarnation of a man in order for that one life to be saved and demonstrate to this crowd of unbelievers who felt righteously that this salvation is theirs, that no, you, you are not walking in the right light here, you know. This is not what I intended for the salvation or what I intended 
for the knowledge of who I am, but I intended for the knowledge of who I am for people to be saved and to be made right with God. So this clearly demonstrated that a person that is not saved because of good heritage or condemned by a bad one, right? We are not condemned by a bad heritage. We are not condemned by things that happened to our past or our families, right? Faith is more important than genealogy, brothers and sisters. It is far more important than genealogy because God is the one who instills our, our heritage. He's the one who says, you are the sons of Abraham. And that is far more important than our earthly genealogy, than our earthly um, heritage as well. Amen. So Jesus came to save all the lost, regardless of their background or previous way of life. And through faith, the lost can be forgiven and made new through salvation to Jesus Christ, just like we witnessed with Zacchaeus. He was made new, a new man. The past is gone. Though the, though the crowd was still stuck in their ways and stuck, stuck in the perception of who Zacchaeus was, but his life was new, completely changed. And he had immediate actions from his salvation. So what was left was left with the crowd, really, you know? But he was already moving forward. He was already being redeemed into the great embrace of our, of our loving Father and, and, and was, uh, you know, um, granted even a rite of passage to, to heaven one day. How amazing is it that Zacchaeus even... Um, gets to be in Scripture for all of eternity, you know, just by his act of, 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 of trusting in God, his repentant heart, we read about now, every day of our lives, just by his stance of trusting God and believing in Christ. So as I conclude today, I just want us to consider these few points here. There are moments where we are Zacchaeus, but also there are moments where we are the crowd in our lives. There are also moments in our lives where we tend to be judgmental by stereotyping people based on worldly criteria. There are also moments in our lives when we know we have sinned and we need to repent our sins to Jesus. We must follow or we must allow Jesus, to come into our house, our inner house. He must come into every house, every stone. There must be no stone un unturned. Whether it's the sinful tax collector, Zacchaeus, or the judgmental crowd, Jesus Christ is the only person who sees us and our true nature. There's nothing we can hide from him. Therefore, we need to change our perspectives and allow Christ to do the work in us, the inner work in us. Amen. With that said, um, brothers and sisters, I'd like us to prepare our hearts for a time of communion. Um, we've got the four stations um, around us, two at the back, two at the front. Could we just stand up quickly and gather the elements of communion, and I will just lead us into communion. Amen. Um, let's just close our eyes and just consider these four points I'm about to mention to you. Has our faith in Jesus Christ resulted in action? 
Second point is, what is Jesus through today's message calling you individually to do? The third one is, what changes do you need to make today to put your faith in action? And if you require prayer today, please be ready to just open up your heart and your mind to Christ and to come forth and just denounce or allow Christ to take away whatever thing that is um, impeding you from doing that action that God, which Jesus Christ, is calling you to do today. So as we take the elements of communion, I'm just going to pray for us quickly and then we'll partake. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for today's message. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for the inner work that it is doing in our lives, Almighty God. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we may reverently consider, Mighty God, today's scripture. Lord, it is not enough for us to glorify the salvation that we have found in you without us doing anything about it. Yet it is great. It assures us, so Lord, Heavenly Father, um, Lord, uh, a day where you come back and we are restored back to you. But what does it say about those that you have sent us and called us to, mighty God? We pray that today, Heavenly Father, may be a different day, that it may mark the day that we enact on our salvation. Like Zacchaeus, he immediately turned around and said, um, I will give whatever I've taken, mighty God. And we pray that we may firstly be repentant and then we may be obedient to your call, O Lord and your Father. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have sent us and you have called us, O Lord and your Father, to be fishers of men, O mighty God, and not to seek our own will. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that we are, Heavenly Father, forgiven of our sins today. We thank you that you are a God who listens to our prayers, O mighty God. And when we confess them, Lord and your Father, you are ready and have your hands open to forgive us. We thank you that, Lord, you shall speak in us, speak to us in, in a multitude of different ways, and we shall enact on those, O Lord and Father, with a passion, with a longing, O Lord and Father, to see your kingdom filled, O Lord and Father, one day. You are worthy of all praise and honor. Do the restorative work in us, O Lord Moengwele, that you would like to see in us every day. We thank you and we honor your mighty and righteous name, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.